Hello and welcome to the first episode of Travelist Report. I'm your host Ali. Travelist Report is a podcast about travel. I'm glad to be finally publishing the first episode of this podcast. This is a project that I've had in mind for quite some time, but I've been procrastinating as I want everything to be perfect. I haven't quite figured out the best format for this podcast and I would welcome your feedback to keep it going and make it better. For this first episode, I contacted an old friend whom I met in Iran in 2015. We had lots of interesting conversation at the time and I learned a lot from him. During this COVID pandemic, we met on Zoom and reminisced about old times when travel was easier. When I was editing our discussion, a line from a David Bismoske short story, The Colonel Says I Love You, came to my mind, and that is the inspiration for this episode's title, Lovorko says you should travel to Iran. So, without further ado, let's listen to the first part of our conversation. In this part, Lovorko discusses his love for Iranian literature and cinema. We also talk about Iran and its culture. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm fine too. Uh, yeah. What's, yeah it like so- in, uh, what's it like in Tehran nowadays? Uh, it's a little bit cold. The weather quality, you know, in terms of pollution is very bad. It's winter, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's similar in Zagreb. Really? Yeah, pollution in Zagreb is, is pretty high. Oh, okay. Yeah, on some yeah. days we're, we're in the top five most polluted cities in the world. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not so good. I was actually so glad to hear uh, you got married. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. It was it was two months ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah, it was a small wedding. It was a it was I mean, we planned it before the pandemic that way. So there were like family and close friends. There were 20 of okay. us. Well, very good. My first question is, when was it you were in Iran? Exactly. Uh, I was in Iran, uh, I think it was November and December 2016. 2016. That was sort of yeah. like the height of tourism. That uh, It was after the nuclear deal was passed and there was an influx of tourists in yeah. Iran. Did I ever tell you I used to work back around that time as a tour guide? Yes. Yeah, so uh, in 2016, I remember in uh, the city of Yazd and Isfahan, during March and April, you couldn't find a hotel room for any price. You mm-hmm. know. But uh, 2018, when Trump pulled out of the uh, nuclear deal, uh, it kind of started to dissipate the number of tour- tourists. Of course, it wasn't just that. It's uh, Tourism is sort of like a fashion thing. A country could be, at a given time, the hot destination. And Iran in 2015, 2016, and 2017 was the fashionable, the hot destination to go. Yeah. Um, you were here. So tell me, what was it like? This is going to sound weird because it's going to sound like I'm promoting uh, you uh, or this podcast, but, but it's, it's probably still <laughs> my, my, no, it's probably still my number one favorite uh, journey. Uh, I had, and I, and I had a lot, man. I had a lot, so th- th- there's a lot of competition. You know, the, the overall, the overarching goal of my podcast is to get people to travel. Be- because I believe uh, 
people who do travel tend to be more educated. I, I, I don't want to talk about education in terms of, you know, doctoral degree or master's degree. I'm talking about wisdom to, uh, you know, to, to have a better understanding of the war. Actually, I wanted, uh, you know, we're talking about Iran, but I, let's, let's take a step back. The first time I um, traveled on my own, the first time I felt to be on my own was in 2013, I traveled to Australia. I spent like a month in Australia. Um, I was really, really scared. I mean, it was exciting. It was exhilarating, all of those, but it was also scary at moments. Have you ever had uh, that feeling? Because, you know, I wanted, I want to tell people to travel to Iran, right? And it is a scary country, at least for some people who, who are not informed, right? If you're not informed, if you don't know much about what is going on in Iran, you might think you could get kidnapped here. And that is absolutely not true. But travel in itself, even to a country like Australia, which is, you know, a Western country, uh, rate of crime is low, everything. It's an English speaking country. I was scared. Uh, I wasn't scared of getting kip- kidnapped, of course, but it's the, the 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 mere fact of getting to a new place that is scary for uh, a lot of people. You you travel to a, to one or two, I don't know, uh, ten countries, maybe the eleventh country. The feeling is a little bit dissipated. It's more exciting rather than scary. Have you ever had that feeling? I can remember exactly the moment when when I when I said that. Uh, uh, I'm not going. I'm not going to rely on other people to travel. So I'm, uh, which means I'm not going to wait for somebody to get their SHIT together. And uh, I- I'm just I'm just going to do my thing and and do what I what I want to do and what I'm really interested in. And there was this there was this concert in Italy. And a friend of mine canceled at the last minute and I said, okay, I'm going to go on my own. And I had a great time. I had a great time. I wasn't scared. And I mean, it was, it was close to home. So it wasn't like a big, big travel or, or anything, but, uh, uh, what was really, um, enjoyable uh, for me is that I met a lot of people that way which I wouldn't have met if, if I was only with this friend of mine, because we, yeah. we would probably be more isolated and we, we would be enough, enough for each, for each other. And this was, this was the crucial mo- moment where, when I realized I can do it, I can do this on my own. And I did it. And next year I also went to Australia, but that was an exchange semester. So that was, that was yeah. a bit different. It wasn't like a random globe trotting thing, but the, then I went to New Zealand from Australia, and for the first five five days, I was with a, a Kiwi friend of mine. But then I, I was on my own, so I was I was there for two weeks, and I I, I didn't I don't think I felt scared. I, I was I was maybe worried a bit that if something happens to me somewhere, if I break if I break my leg or something, and nobody's around, so I had those kinds of paranoid scenarios in my head but nothing happened uh, that way and I was never so I was never in the middle of nowhere where there were no people around and nobody would would see me uh, 
there was ne never any such situation like that. So that kind of a scenario is highly un unlikely anyhow. Okay. So basically 99% of the time I felt completely uh, safe and, and really just enjoying myself. Enjoying myself uh, in some cases far more than in certain then during certain travels where, where I was with a couple of friends of mine, because what is interested, what is interesting about this, sometimes when you have a great friend that you spend time with in your hometown, it's totally, it's a totally different situation. If you're with the same friend 24 hours a day in a foreign country, mm. you might lose patience and he or she might lose patience with you. So this was another advantage for me while I was traveling on my own is because I had my own schedule and I didn't have to worry about um, s s uh, somebody else's schedule and their habits and their um, preferences and so on. So th there were so many advantages, which and uh, I pretty much never felt alone or lonely, but I have to say, uh, Often I do like being alone and read or or see a film or just or just wander around a a, a city I haven't seen and uh, just have fun. So it's it's it depends on it depends on the on the person on their personality on their preferences. Yeah. But but in any case, I I think I was mentally fit that. that that comes out a bit wrong, but I was definitely ready for, for traveling alone and the reward was immense. Yeah. Yeah. And I did it. I did it in a lot of countries as well. Yeah. Uh, when I say travel alone, that's not really accurate because I always met people and, and sometimes I was traveling with somebody for two, three, seven days. And then, then that friend, the new the, the new friend came uh, went and did his own thing so it it was never like traveling alone and you have no contact with other people you constantly have contact with uh, other people and you constantly meet people from all over the world and which makes the experience even richer and greater absolutely yeah yeah so uh, i've also had that experience of traveling alone it it has its own rewards it has its own limitations Overall, uh, the, the thing that stops a lot of people is to find a buddy to travel with, somebody to keep them company. If you don't find that, I, I'll, I'll basically say, uh, just go for it. I remember I had planned a, Europe, uh, a trip in Europe for two weeks. That was October of 2014. And just on the day, I sprang my ankle. Not severely, mm. but... Uh, and uh, just the day before, I was like, what the hell am I going to do? But I just got my backpack, uh, limped for a while. After a while, the pain was gone. You know what I mean? So I kind of forgot I had that pain. I had to be careful all the time during that trip. But anyway, so uh, tell me about Iran. What interested you in the first place? Did you read anything about Iran at, at before you came? Sure, sure, of course. Um, I was interested in in the history of Iran and in the current socio-political situation in Iran, uh, 
religion and uh, especially Iranian cinema. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. And some Iranian literature as well. Uh, oh, we have, we, we yeah. have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, for example, I have to, I have to send you uh, a link to my blog. Um, I'm, I'm now doing uh, a blog on 33 favorite novels and 33 favorite films and 33 favorite albums and three favorite television shows. Because I turned 33 uh, a month ago, so th so this is th this is a way I, I'm celebrating. Uh, and one one Iranian novel is in is in the uh, literature part, and one Iranian film is in the uh, cinema part. No. And, can, uh, can, can you tell me what you chose? Uh, the novel. Uh, the so film. the 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 novel is uh, the Blind Owl by uh, Sadek Hidayat. Yeah. And the the movie is a uh, is a typical one, a typical choice. It's a separation. By a separation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen anything uh, after the separation? Have you seen? Uh, he has I've seen the, the the rest of. Uh, I haven't seen the Javier Bardem Penelope Cruz, but film, but I have seen. Uh, uh, if, if we're talking about Farhadi, uh, I've yeah. seen the past and I've seen the salesman. The salesman. Oh, the, I, I was blocking on the name of the movie. That one is actually great. The last yeah. one with the Javier Bardem and the Penelope Cruz, that didn't, I actually have downloaded that, but I it, somehow I can't finish it. You know, I've seen like 20 minutes of it. I don't connect with it. It didn't get the acclaim um, compared yeah. to his other movies. Yeah, uh, it, anyway. it didn't interest me so much. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, he is uh, in he is a social he he his movies are about social issues. It's not at all, or not completely political. And all of those, the salesman. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, the salesman yeah. is a great movie. Uh, Lo Passe, the past. That's that's another great movie. Yeah, about um, Ellie is a, is a favorite of mine as well. About Ellie, yeah, that one yeah. too. Yeah. Okay, so our listeners yeah, he, have he, some some stuff to watch. Yeah, he, he does a he he does a great thing that he does. He, he portrays he portrays a microcosm of Iranian society through his depiction of different classes and characters who belong to different classes. And none of his characters are two dimensional or, or cliche yeah, or caricatures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all, he, he he doesn't judge. His yeah all, yeah all of them are, are flawed and, and exactly yeah. typical human mistakes and yeah a, a separation is a wonderful example of so uh, what was your first contact with the iranian culture uh, was it through movies it's, it's maybe a hard question probably yeah okay well where i was really focused on it it was probably movies yeah i mean i, I I read about Iran and about its history and about its architecture, about Persepolis and, and school, about the Persian Empire, and so yeah. on. But 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 maybe maybe I was really focused on Iran for the first time through cinema. Yeah, it could be. All right, all right. So let's go back to 2016. You spent about uh, two months uh, here. Am I right? It was it was a month. Yeah, a month. It was a month. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so to our listeners, I have to tell, except uh, if you have a Canadian, American, or British uh, uh, passport, you can just come to the to the airport and get your visa for one month, and then you can uh, renew it for another month. So that's uh, that has been simpler since 2015. It's been like that. It's even more simpler now than when you were here. Uh, they have they issue electronic visa, meaning they don't put a label in your passport. Uh, that causes some problem for, you know, some tourists if they want to ever go to travel to the U.S. That might be a hindrance uh, in a way. So now you can up, you can ask for it for an electronic visa. Uh, where did you go? What was the route that you took? Sorry, just one question. Do you still need a guide for for Canadian, American, and British yeah. tourists? Yes. Yeah. yeah, they still need. Uh, yeah, it hasn't changed. So uh, Americans uh, and Canadians, they have to go through an agency to apply for a visa. And all the yeah. time that they're here, they need to be accompanied by a guide. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, listen, I, I, I forgot to mention it. Like overall, I would love to see more tourists in Iran. But not necessarily retired pensioners who come here often. Like at the height of tourism in Iran, about we had about uh, I don't know three to four million tourists from Europe, and most of these guys were in their sixties and seventies. Mm. Uh, the number one country at some point was Germany. Another year it was France. Uh, the next year it was Spain. All of those people have one thing in common: they come here. In, in groups, in groups of 10, 20, 30. They get a bus and they get a tour guide. They go from one touristic site to their hotel, to the restaurant, to another touristic site, back to the hotel. So that's a secluded uh, way of traveling. My favorite kind of travelers, the one whom I would like to see are people who are, uh, you know, let's say they're younger, they're in their 20s and 30s and 40s, who are not specifically here for touristic reason, touristic reason, they're not tourists, so to speak, rather than travelers. And to kind of explain what the difference of a tourist and a traveler is, a tourist is somebody who comes here to take a picture next to Persepolis or next to that touristic monument, right? And they post it to, their social media, and they tell their friends about how great the food was. And that's all great. I'm not against it. I mean, those people bring money and they inject it into this local economy, people benefit. But, and that's all good. But additionally, a traveler is somebody who, well, maybe like you, reads on the, the country that they are. They try to engage with the local culture, with local people, and they try to give something back. They try to learn and to teach. And uh, well, I guess it partly what you do with your blog is, uh, I, I'm guessing here, but I, I, I doubt you would disagree with me, right? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. A lot of these uh, novels or, Films were were really an introduction to to some of these worlds and 
they were uh, some of the some of the motivating points why why I decided to visit these countries. Yeah, where yeah. where these films were made, where these novels were written. So, I mean, uh, what you said about tourists going to the hotel and then to take a picture. I mean, that, that's that's pretty much the antithesis. Uh, of my experience in Iran, which was which was really based on uh, meeting people, creating friendships, uh, learning about the culture, learning about the language, learning about the uh, about the social um, spheres of life. So when I say that that traveling to Iran was was a great experience, I I mean that it was a great experience from from all these perspectives, like from a social perspective, from a people perspective. Um, Like when you go to a certain country and you, and sometimes really what associates that country with with your experience, there is is one object or one site, like for example, the pyramids or the Red Square in Moscow. And I never have, for Iran, I never have like, Persepolis or uh, Azadi Tower or the, the square in Isfahan. That, that's, not, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. Although all, all of those sites were beautiful, but w- what first comes to mind is really the culture and the people. So it's, not, it's more like an abstract impression of, of the country, which is not related to one object. I'm, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. Uh, would you like to expand on that? Because that's a very good, uh, I mean. Sure. I mean, um, the hospitality of the Iranian people is is quite famous. Um, yeah. I always, I kind of regret that I didn't spend more money and contribute to the Iranian economy. But everybody was so kind and nice to me that I, I I didn't pay as much as I maybe should have in, in some occasions, you know, for accommodation or for food, for transport even, and so on. Yeah. But people are just, I, I think, I think there, that there, there are a couple of reasons for that. One reason is that it's ingrained in the culture. Um, the Iranian people are, are really proud and they, they really care about, you having the best time possible. But I think also part of it is that the the Western press is so focused on negative things uh, going on uh, in the geopolitical sphere between Iran and the United States, for example, that a lot of it just, just never, uh, it is never depicted. This side of Iran is, is never that well known to people who read about Iran and, and the Western media. And I, and I think they really care about their image and they wanna, they wanna um, improve on their image and they, they wanna convince the tourists and the travelers that uh, they can have a great time there. And they can, yeah. they can spread the word once they get back to their homes. Uh, absolutely but but just to be uh i am an iranian and i have traveled uh, all, all over iran i didn't have your experience so if your experience 
you, you remember, I remember you went to the Iraqi Kurdistan, to all corners of Iran. Uh, you might have uh, that experience in a city like Isfahan, which attracts a lot of tourists, a little bit less than you might have it in some pristine corner of Iran. But I personally, as an Iranian, if I go to the province that is next to Pakistan, Sistan and Baluchistan, that's one of my favorite places of all of all Iran, or to the west of Iran, like Kurdistan, I exactly get treated the way you're describing. Yeah. Those people, <laughs> yeah. So even as, a, as an Iranian, I am uh, their guest and they will do absolutely anything uh, to honor you and to respect you. I have heard stories of uh, you know poor families who absolutely have nothing but maybe a few chickens in their yard. And when you're their guest, they will kill one of them and make a stew or chicken, whatever. And they, they put it in front of you. And, you know, that's their culture. It's, uh, it's maybe, like you said, a point of pride. Whatever it is, they will take care of you. And uh, one of the things, one other things I have to mention is hitchhiking in Iran. I have, uh, over the past couple of years, I have maybe hitchhiked 20 to 30,000 kilometers all over Iran. And it's <laughs> not only safe, but it's so fast, except maybe the Caspian region, because that's not a transit route. But other than that, if you're on a highly trafficked route, you, you're standing there. If you're standing for like 20 minutes, that's a surprise. You know what I mean? Of course. Did yeah. you hitchhike? I, I did it. Yes, yeah. I did it. I did it as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was easy. It was... Yeah, it's very easy. Place. Yeah. 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 Not, not, not only I hitchhiked, but but uh, there was an example that I hitchhiked and the guy who took me uh, asked me if I was hungry. And then we went to his place and I met his family and we had a nice lunch and a great meal. And then we talked about all kinds of things. Yeah. It was it was. That's one typical Iranian experience. So I've heard that story many, many, many times. You of know course, what I mean? Of course, yeah. 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 But our listeners might not have. So it's actually good to bring it up. So it was all uh, positive experience. So it was all it was totally it was not awkward at all. It was natural. It, it seems natural in, in Iran for, for some reason. Yeah. I, I didn't feel I didn't feel intimidated or scared or paranoid, not one bit. And it, it was always a great experience. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. And I couldn't feel, I, I couldn't have felt safer. There were no incidents whatsoever, no problems. People were very helpful, very hospitable. And yeah, no complaints yeah. whatsoever. Uh, in terms of crime, uh, Iran as, and Germany are pretty much at the same rate. Uh, also, the population is pretty much similar. Uh, yeah. Petty crime goes on here. You know, somebody might snatch your uh, cell phone off you. But yeah. most of the time, if tourists are uh, cautious and if they stay in like uh, touristic areas, they nothing really happens to them. One of yeah. the reasons for that is that the government, when it comes to crimes, uh, victims of whose are non-Iranians, the the case becomes as the, you know, you heard it in, in the wire, it comes a red ball. And it gets <laughs> a lot, 
Yeah, it gets a lot of resources. And when it goes to the court, that guy will not really get any leniency as it has a, now a political dimension. So yeah. that is sort of a deterrent. Crime goes on, of course, like I said, it's the same as Germany, thieves, uh, robbers, your, your car your car here might get stolen, etc. like any other country. But mm. uh, uh, tourists have sort of that protection, they're untouchable. And specifically in the touristic area with all the cameras going on with the heavy presence of the police, I, uh, I'm not really... Uh, I wouldn't really be afraid. Iran is one of the safest countries you can imagine. On, on, yeah, I on, agree. Yeah. Contrary to what many people think, it's not... <laughs> and, you know, people might not believe me, but uh, it is like that. I've I've been hitchhiking all over the country and never, ever have I had a problem. On the contrary, every everybody has been helpful to me. And I don't want to sound condescending, but I was so, I wasn't surprised, but I was enjoying how educated Iranian people are, not just in terms of formal education, but in terms of how they think and how they uh, um, launch skepticism, how they enjoy critical thinking and how they practice skepticism okay. and and their well, the people i had contact with their immense knowledge about western culture at a far higher level than some of the other middle eastern countries i've been to okay. so this is something that that is also also worthwhile mentioning and this produced many many interesting conversations and i learned a lot from yeah. from just talking to people not just about iran but about yeah. all kinds of all kinds of conversations about all different kinds of topics yeah i'm glad to hear it and hopefully you know i'm i'm actually looking to make a small community with my podcast just to uh, learn you know just to increase my knowledge and even even the research for doing a podcast it kind of cements your knowledge you learn new things and that is really really good welcome back thanks for being here i hope you have enjoyed our conversation so far after our conversation ended the worker told me that he got the year he was in iran wrong and it was actually 2015. in the next part of our conversation i briefly discussed my vision for the podcast and how it can help local tourism in iran then we get deep in the route of the worker took when he was here the the plan is to introduce um, different local houses in Iran. So, like, um, if you're planning to travel to Iran and you don't know much, if you come to my blog and my website, I will have a, uh, depending on your taste, I will have a route plan for you and I will tell you where to go. Of course, it's not hard to find accommodation in Iran. It's everywhere. The point yeah. is that if you're... Um, a woke person, so to speak. If you're in, interested in helping newer businesses and local communities, I would find those people and I would introduce them to you. In Tehran, um, there are a lot of good hotels, and but many of them are chain hotels. 
um, you don't have an experience with that, but the, 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 the service in those hotels are terrible. It's a four-star hotel. You get a one-star service. For example, in, in Yazd, there is a chain uh, called the Meh Hotel. They own five different hotels in Yazd. Mm-hmm. I was once um, staying in that hotel. The woman who was serv- serving breakfast came. Um, she, she showed up late, about half an hour. And then afterwards, she was... She was apologizing constantly to me, explaining that her boss had come so late. And it just dawned on to me that she is working in a four or five star hotel and she has to take the bus. That is unacceptable to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I at least I can pull put the word out sure. and encourage sure. people to stay in, you know, Newer businesses, local, uh, family-owned businesses instead of... Yeah, I, could, I had a good experience in Yazd. I, I cannot rem- remember the name. Okay, um, yeah. It was it was a great experience. It was a good location and, uh, and pretty cheap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the city of Yazd is... Uh, maybe after you were here, it was registered as a... Um, as an international world heritage site. The, the old town was registered and um, many of those houses old houses have turned into hotels now which is a great experience you get to live in history basically in a house that is like 200 years old you ex- yep. you sleep on the floors on a you know mattress uh, with cotton yep. not nah, yep. so that's a good experience that is a good experience i had i had something similar to that if if okay. i remember correctly yeah, and yeah, uh, everybody should go and see Yazd because it's a it's a special kind of a town. It's different than all the other cities I've been to. Yeah, uh, people maybe. tell me that it resembles Morocco uh, in some respects. Yeah, I, I, I was I was never in Morocco, but I can I can see where that comparison comes from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but of course, uh, like this. Yeah. The people in Yazd are very, very nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They're nice everywhere. سرهای من یک یک جدا به خاک ریز خونهای مجرمت که منم سر ریز پانصد لشکرم من رزمنده تو آهاد ملت یک یک شرمنده تو ای عشق رو دست صدی رفتی ای عشق تر دست شدی مفتی where should anyone begin if they're interested if they're curious about iran where would you advise them to be, to you know begin other than our my blog <laughs> uh, you, you mean you mean education wise yeah in terms or... of reading in terms of getting oriented to the to um the culture would you would you recommend movies for example would you recommend 
that they just forget about anything and just buy a ticket. I, I don't know what, how would you go about it if you were like 10 years younger? I don't know. It, it depends on the taste uh, and it depends. It's, it's quite subjective how you, how you simply uh, get into a country, but I would, I would definitely read on the country as much as I could watch documentaries, watch movies. Uh, for me, movies worked. We, we better cover my itinerary. So everybody knows where I, yeah. Okay. Where I've been. So, so I've been to obviously Tehran, the capital, which is a fascinating city and one of the most open cities uh, in the Middle East. Soon, uh, Isfahan, of course, yeah. which is a beautiful city with a beautiful main square. What's it called? It's Naqsh e Jahan, right? Square. Yeah. The, yeah, the image of the war, they call it, uh, it goes by like three different names. They call it the Imam Square. The Shah yeah. Square, or the yeah. uh, it's it's actually the second largest public square in the world after Tiananmen. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's, it's a sight to see. Yeah. Yeah, I like it better than Tiananmen. I haven't been to China, so I take your. Yeah, I, I like I like Tiananmen, but I liked I liked the Imam Square better. Okay. Uh, Shiraz, I went to Shiraz, I went to Yazd. Yazd was really interesting, especially with the Towers of Silence, with the Zoroastrian culture that is over there. Yeah. Uh, I went to um, Mashhad, yeah. to the Imam Reza Shrine, and th 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 there was a bit of an interesting side of Iran, a bit, a bit different than what you, you'd find in Isfahan or, yeah. or most of Tehran or Shiraz. And I went to Iranian Kurdistan, I went to Sanandaj, to Marwan, to Horaman, and I went to Hamadan. Okay. I, I went to Boucher as well, went to Persepolis. Wow. Yeah, I, th I think... Yeah, you I think you came it. in, you, you said you were here in November, so Boucher was a really good choice. Uh, this is the thing about Boucher Iran. Yeah, this is the thing about Iran, you can come anytime. And I, as a tour guide, can recommend one corner of the country where the weather is good. Right now, in winter, all of the south, uh, like Boucher, it's amazing. It's The weather is really, really cool. You can swim. You can land in Tehran and go ski. And then you can take a plane to the south and go swim all in one week. So yeah, this is, what, this is what makes Iran so special because you have all kinds of climates. Yeah, all kinds of weather con conditions that you can see just in one month, and this is a cliche for uh, maybe some of Western tourists who, when they think of Iran, they think of a desert or something. And yeah, this is well, to, this is not really representative of of Iran as a whole. No, it's not. But we also have uh, you know near Kerman, uh, there is a desert called Lut, and uh, okay. the, we have recorded temperatures of 57 degrees Celsius. That's, from year to year, that degree is, is different, like the highest degree recorded in the world, but that it has been a, a one of the highest. Uh, I think in two, 2005, it was the highest. So it gets hot. There's basically no life there. It's an absolute desert. It's not a step, uh, but we also have steps. We have desert, uh, everything you can imagine here. And gorgeous uh, mountains like Damavand, which is the highest peak of the Middle East. 
Yeah. And yeah. you have the seaside, you have the Caspian Sea, you have you have all kinds of beautiful places. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. But it's a huge country and one shouldn't have, have any generalizations about it. Cultural, course, social, yeah. geographical, historical, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's it, it's also a multi-ethnic country. And it's, uh, I think only 60% of Iranians are Persians or Farsi, um, who, who have first language Farsi, and then you have the Azerbaijanis, the Kurds, the Aluchi, and yeah. so on, yeah? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't have an exact figure on the number of ethnicities in Iran, because it's yeah. somewhat contentious to categorize them, but depending on how you count them, between 15 to 26 different ethnicities and like you said about and we're just talking about language so the persian language is the mother tongue of like you said about 60 to 65 percent of the population about 25 percent speak azari which is a dialect of turkish and then you have about uh you know you it rests like nine to ten percent just so uh, our listeners know that's exactly, uh, I mean, that corresponds to the number of um, minorities in Iran. Uh, we have about 89% who are Shia, about 8% who are Sunni, who mostly find in uh, the bordering Kurdistan. regions. Yeah, like yeah, Kurdistan, like, uh, you know, the province next to Iraq, uh, Khuzestan, the province yep. next to Pakistan. Yeah, those are all my Sunni minorities, of course. Uh, they're also Muslim. Um, yeah. And then we have minorities, like we have Christians, mostly Armenians, we have some Jews and Zoroastrians, as you said, uh, who find primarily in Iran near Yazd and it's the, the province and uh, another great minority in India. So some of them traveled to India back in the day, back a couple mm. hundred years ago. And that's one of the major religions in India as well. Uh, I had a great experience in Samandaj, which is the second biggest Kurdish majority city in Iran, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Actually, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was it, a, it was a beautiful Sunni uh, tradition kind of a home and dinner, and it was a it was a great time. It was a a, a bit of a different cultural background and different milieu, but it was a, it was also a, an amazing time and and. Yeah, I regret that I didn't go a bit more to northwestern Iran, which is a uh, Azeri yeah. majority. So I so I had the opportunity to uh, at least uh, a bit to, to uh, at least experience a bit the multicultural facets of your country. Yeah, um, yeah. So very good, very good. Do you have any yeah. uh, su suggestions for people who want to come here? Uh, anything they should know? I don't know. I mean, if you're into uh, if, if you're into history of different religions, go to Yazd for uh, Zoroastrian perspective, and go to Mashhad for a Shia Islam perspective. It was interesting. I was there during Arba'in, Ar oh, which is the yeah. 40, 40 day after Ashura, yeah, after the uh, yeah. death and uh, death anniversary of um, Imam Hussein. Yeah. Okay. So, so let me. That was, let a, me give that was a, an interesting religious religious ritual that 
Yeah, let me give a little bit of a context to our listeners to, to yep. know what we're talking about. Um, so the Islamic, uh, we, in Iran, we have uh, we, we work on two different calendars. There is one which is the Islamic calendar, and the other one we have a solar calendar, right? So the year right now is uh, 1399. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have the year 1400 in just uh, three months or so, in March. The, the, the Iranian New Year begins on March 21st. And it's basically a pagan uh, tradition. It goes back thousands of years. Uh, it goes back, many people associated to the Achaemenids, you know, the Persian Empire, Persepolis, all of that. Yeah. But it's actually older than that. Mm -hmm. uh, it has its roots in Mesopotamia. Long story. But the, the Islamic part works on a, uh, on a lunar calendar. Basically, mm -hmm. the, basis, the basis for both of those calendars is the same event. And the event is the establishment of a government in Medina by the prophet. So mm -hmm. we're talking the mm -hmm. same year, the same number of years. So that shouldn't be confusing. But uh, during the month of Muharram, that's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's, uh, the beginning of the, 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 the lunar calendar. That's the anniversary of uh, the, the martyrdom of the third Imam of the Shia. You mentioned Mashhad. To the Shia, the, visiting the shrines of the, the Imams, there are 12 of them, is very, very important. Most of, yep. the, the, most of the shrines are in, uh, today Iraq. In, uh, in Iraq, yeah. So yep. the first Imam, Ali, uh, the third Imam also, um, some of them are unknown. So anyway, the only one that finds in Iran is in Mashhad, right? Yep. And that's a religious Imam site, Imam Rezaia. That's a site for pilgrimage. We attract many, many Shias. Uh, over the past two years, I've seen tourists from Pakistan actually come here. They come with yep. buses and the buses are really distinguishable because the steering wheel is on the left rather than mm -hmm. on the right. Mm -hmm. uh, they come actually with the bus, they go to Mashhad, and some, some of them actually traverse Iran and go to Iraq and then go back. So it's a very mm -hmm. important religious site. During the month of uh, Muharram, the first 10 days, is you see manifestations all over Iran and other Shia countries like Pakistan, but to a lesser degree, of course. In Afghanistan, people come to mourn. You can actually go on YouTube and watch uh, how the ceremonies are. So, and then the, another important one is the one you um, mentioned. So the 14th, 40th day, um, some Iranians and some Shia in general have this tradition of walking on foot to Karbala, the burial place of the third Imam, Imam Hussein to commemorate his death. And that they plan it in a way to be in, uh, in Iraq on the 40th day of his, his death, which as you said, it, it's a huge ceremony in Iraq. They have the stations all free, of course, they distribute drinks and food and everything. So uh, all of that is based on donations. The same goes in Iran. If you are in Iran during that time, you will see all of the streets covered in black. People are wearing black uh, all the time. 
mostly at night they go to a mosque uh, to participate in the ceremonies and well uh, it might be I, I wouldn't really uh, disrecommend traveling through that time it could be really interesting but in terms of tourism um, I would caution you just to know what is going on. It might be, you know, in terms of traffic in the cities, there might be disturbances, everything else that our listeners should know if they ever plan to travel here. Yeah, there were a lot of people there. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a massive, yeah. massive happening. Yeah, but it was. Yeah, it was fascinating to see. Yeah, and it was a different. It, it was a different side of Iran. We're almost getting to the end of this episode. You can subscribe to my newsletter to get future episodes right in your inbox. Just go to travelist.substack.com and enter your email. I'm gonna have another episode for you real soon on Yalda, an ancient Iranian ceremony that celebrates the winter solstice. I would also appreciate it if you take the time to write a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is new, and it would help others find it. This episode's theme music is Layla by Mohsen Namju. I chose it in honor of Lavorko and Layla who got married in October. I wish them loads of happiness. Check the description to find Lavorko's 33 recommended books and movies. We ended our conversation on the prospect of tourism in Iran and the future Biden administration's promise to rejoin the 2015 nuclear deal. I don't believe Trump really has any ideology, any firm ideology. Whatever he has done in terms of at least foreign policy, one could extend that to domestic policy as well. He has done everything he can to screw Obama's legacy. And one yeah, of yeah, them... The, 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 yeah. One of them was the nuclear deal, the JCPOA, uh, as we call it. Of course, it. yeah. yeah, yeah. And with uh, Biden coming back, uh, I hope they go back to their original agreement or at least to have some sort of negotiations starting again. And, this is uh, Biden's plan. This is Biden's plan, yeah. I know, I've he heard was, it, but... I, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated than it sounds because the Iranians have lost a lot of trust. You know, it's the Americans are supposed to be taking their their word is supposed to be gold. But of course, if you're the president of Iran, you're saying, "Okay, how am I supposed to trust you this time when you just negated your word just, you know, two, three years ago? So the negotiations, even if they start, it, it will be timely. But anyway, I'm hoping that trust is re, um, reinstituted. Reignited. Yeah, yeah, reignited. And I will see tourists come back because my job is from tourism and I, uh, I'm basically living on my savings right now. I'm actually one of the yeah. fortunate ones. For example, I can teach English. Did I tell you I have, uh, I've been making a podcast about learning English. I think you did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm hoping to make some money off that, but yeah. imagine there are a lot of people who are, you know, um, managing local houses. I'm in contact with them. And one of them basically said, listen, man, 
I have invested $200 million and I have gotten nothing back on my investment. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping to see more people come and to kind of see a boost in the economy. That would be good. I hope so. Yeah, because there's a lot of things to see and to experience. Next time you come to Iran, you should uh, travel to Shiraz. There's a small village uh, about 25 kilometers from Shiraz to the mm-hmm. to the west of the city called uh, mm-hmm. Kalat or Kalat, and uh, great beautiful nature. You can take a walk and go see a couple of uh, waterfalls, uh, small waterfalls. But that would be a sight to see. Yeah, of course. But that's one. Iran is one place where I definitely want to travel again, and I can bring my wife this time. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that would be nice to meet her. Should, uh, yeah, yeah. Her name is Leila. Really? Which is, yeah, which is a name that is pretty pretty common in, in Iran. Yeah, yeah. It means the night, or beautiful the as night. night. Yeah. So she's gonna come along, and yeah, we, we just have to wait a bit because we we did we did some travels in the last couple of years. We went to the states, we did a big Southwest United States road trip, and we okay. went to Japan. We went to Japan last year, which was also great. Wow. We wanted to go to Southeast Asia a bit this year, but that obviously didn't, didn't happen. But, yeah. Tons of places to see, tons of places to experience. But I would recommend anybody who's listening that Iran should be at the top of your list. Well, I appreciate that. And maybe on that note, uh, we can come to a conclusion. I want to thank yeah. you again uh, for participating. And I want to thank our listeners for listening. Uh, feel free to get in touch with me and also with Lavorko. Um I'll put your blog in the description and um, hopefully they can uh, learn something from us and uh, maybe next time we'll talk about something different. You know, next time maybe you come in Iran and we'll, we can even travel together at some point, you know. Sure, and you're always invited to come in Croatia. Yeah, come thank Croatia you very much. To- yeah, yeah. As, I've, as I've said for years ago, I don't know what it's crazy, I'm not in Schengen, so I don't know if it's more complicated for you to get here. Yeah, we'll see about <laughs> Yeah, but we'll, we'll see what the future brings. <laughs>